Good afternoon everybody and welcome to God's Answers to Your Questions, the Wednesday edition. We're sorry we're a little bit behind schedule today, uh, but nonetheless we're here. We will be in Mark chapter 3 and verse uh, 22, I believe. Uh, Talking about Jesus' teaching on the blessing, the name of the Holy Spirit. But if you have questions or comments as we go through, I encourage you to leave us a uh, comment in the chat window. It is currently uh, ice storming, so I don't know what that will mean for my connection, but I am. Not, not alone today. Joining me today is Curtis Cooper again. Uh, how you doing, Curtis? Yeah, doing great. Doing great, CJ. Good to be with you. Uh, so, so if my internet kind of is fuzzy today, we're in the middle of an ice storm. So okay. I, don't, I don't know how that will affect the loop, but we'll do, do I look okay right now? Yeah, you look fine. Okay, yeah. good. Well, we'll see if it uh, stays that way. Well, Curtis, do you want to uh, pray for us and then we'll get started? Yeah, let's go to God. Our God in heaven, we humble ourselves before you, Lord. You are holy and awesome and wonderful. Lord, you are the creator of all things and um, Lord, we are so thankful for this opportunity to be able to open up your word, to be able to look into your mind and your wisdom, uh, to see the mystery that has been concealed but yet revealed today. And Lord, we're so thankful for uh, for what we have, and we pray that we'll grow in our wisdom and understanding. Help us be more enlightened as we study. Lord, we're thankful for your son who came to this earth and walked here and, and uh, lived a life here. We pray that we'll examine his life and that we'll seek to be more like him. Lord, let us learn of the greatness of Jesus and his power. And um, Lord, let us look to his teachings and be more and more impressed uh, by the things that he said and things that he did while he was here. Lord, thankful for CJ. We pray that you would continue to be with him and his efforts. And we pray for those who are on here, those who are uh, a part of this study. And um, Lord, we just pray for all of us as students that you open our hearts, that you help us be able to examine our lives, to help us see in places that maybe our hearts need softening, as we'll see here in a minute. We pray that we'll um, that we'll honestly examine ourselves and being able to make the application that needs to be made. It's in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so as we've been going to Mark, we've been noticing uh, that Mark is an action book. Uh, Mark focuses in on the miracles of Jesus for a good portion of this book. At the end of this book, he'll focus more on his teaching. But right now, I think Mark is trying to introduce us to Jesus in these opening chapters and what he can do for the people. And ultimately, he'll switch and say, what can he do for me? 
and he's introduced him in chapter one as Jesus, the Son of God. And so Mark is seeking to prove that. Uh, how is Jesus the Son of God? And so in Mark 3, just to have a minute or two to review here, because it's been about two weeks since we had this study. Uh, in chapter 3, 1 through 6, we see Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And he, uh, he, he enters the synagogue, and there was a man uh, with a withered hand. And this man who has this infirmity is kind of used as a pawn. You know, the Pharisees look at him and they look at Jesus and say, what's Jesus going to do? Can we trap him now? And Jesus answers them masterfully and says, is it uh, good to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath, to save a life, or to kill it. Uh, and the, uh, he heals the man, and the Pharisees team up with their best friends, right? Uh, no, they, they team up with their political enemies to try and take Jesus down. And then in the second section, we read in 7 through 12 how the crowd is following Jesus so much so that he has to get into the into a boat and teach, uh, lest the crowd uh, crowds crush him, but just. Mark is showing us at this point in Jesus' ministry, he is very popular. And so in the next section, we read Jesus appointing the 12 apostles. And Mark tells us some things about these apostles. Uh, Judas was going to be betraying him. Uh, he... he Gave them authority in verse 15 to cast out demons. And also we have James and John, the sons of thunder. And that uh, is a cool connection there. And mm -hmm. so we basically have fishermen, tax collector, nobodies who are following Jesus. And so Mark is saying, who will he can do? Now, who will he pick? Well, in chapter 2, he sat with the lowly. In chapter 3, he picks the lowly, the nobodies. And so, he, here in... 20 through uh, 35, and I have this all together on the screen, uh, but, but we'll probably break it down a little bit before I show it. Uh, Jesus is accused by his family and by 
the teachers of the law. And so there's more challenges mm-hmm. uh, to what, what he is trying to do. We, we have the Pharisees challenging him at the beginning of chapter 3. Now we'll have uh, we'll, we'll have his family challenging him and the teachers of the law saying he's casting out demons by the prince of demons. So that's what we are. Is there any comments on that, Curtis? Yeah, just later on in the chapter, you'll see. Um, so here, it, we'll see this here in a little bit, the reaction of his family. But later on, you'll see um, you'll see how Jesus responds to his family. Right. But uh, I just think that the, the greater the population, the greater the, uh, the more attacks from his enemies that'll come. You'll see that, like, here it begins with the multitude coming together. And just the greater, the more his population or his popularity begins to grow, uh, the more the enemies begin to grow. And then their attacks become more and more vicious, like we'll see here in just a minute. That's right. So I kind of love these two together because uh, the, they really bring in the same point of, the attacks of Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. attacks toward Jesus. Do, do we want to read the entire chapter and break it down like I have it on the screen, or do you want to just do 22 through uh, 30 and then 31 through 35 separately? That's that's up to you. Uh, we, we'll go bit by bit. That might be helpful. Okay, Uh, so let's just read the first bit of this, uh, 22 to 30, and then we'll talk about it, and then after that, I'll read the rest, so you can read this first part if you want. Okay, I'll start in verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the rulers of the demons, he casts out demons. And so he called them to himself and said to them in, in the parables, How can a Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Surely I say to you, all sin will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies may, uh, they may utter. But he who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation, because they said he has an unclean spirit. All right, so this is an interesting text, especially when we get to verse 20, 29, there's a lot of discussions about what the sin is. Can it even be committed today? How do you commit it? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But if you look at verse 22, uh, he, instead of that, they could not deny what Jesus is doing. And so since they really couldn't deny all his miracles, whoops, 
uh, may, may just attribute it to someone else. Who, who do they say Jesus cast out demons by? Satan. Satan. Be the the wounds of demon. And Jesus responds by saying, Look, guys, that doesn't even make sense. Satan cannot be divided against himself. If he's casting out his own subjects, his kingdom isn't going to stand. It doesn't make any sense. Hey, CJ, before we get past that, I just want to think about their accusations here in verse 22. Um, I think it's interesting that they do this. Uh, I think it's a, a, a brilliant political uh, move by them because there's only two people that can cast out demons, either God or Satan. Those right. would be the only two that would be able to cast out demons. Um, and it, it's kind of one of these things where you, you kind of turn – something that is undeniable, like you said, into a reliability. Because now every time he casts out a demon, they're going to be thinking, he did that by God, or was it really Satan? Like, it's, uh, I don't remember who said it, but it's like throwing mud at the wall. It may not stick, but it'll leave, it'll leave a stain. So now every time he casts out a demon, they're going to be questioning, by who did he do this? And when you read John... There's several times this comes up uh, where they're, they actually start questioning whether it was he did it by, by God or by Satan. Um, so they're trying to discredit him in something that was actually driving his popularity. Right. And I think this is a good tactic, like you said, because if, if they're questioning this one, maybe that will... Stick to the people later and say, wait a minute, uh, who, who's he really, uh, who, who's Jesus doing this by? But, uh, but he gives the reason why this cannot be so. If Satan, uh, uh, how can Satan cast up Satan? How is that possible? Can I cast myself out of my room? Uh, can, can I throw myself across the table? Well, no. Uh, Satan can't cast out Satan. Uh, because if he could, verse 20, boy, he wouldn't have a kingdom. He wouldn't have subjects. Uh, I, when there's an internal struggle, and the, the, king, the king is casting out his subjects, who's left in the kingdom? Well, just the king. And that's really not a kingdom, is it? Uh, whoops. Maybe we'll get Curtis back. <laughs> Sorry, I got a phone call. Uh, I'm using my phone to record this, so. Well, that's right. But it doesn't make sense. And, and he illustrates it another way. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the 
strong man, and then he will ponder his host. He, he's saying that I, I can't be, uh, I'm plundering. You can't plunder some of these houses when, when that person is doing the plundering. When that person is actively involved. And so, uh, Satan cannot be involved in this, or else uh, Jesus wouldn't be doing anything to Satan. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, think, but, I think that last one about the strong man, I mean, Jesus' whole mission is to take back souls from Satan, you know, it's to win back his property. Um, but first he has to bind Satan. And that's right. what he's doing as he's casting out these demons. He's taking back his property in, in one sense. Uh, in the ultimate sense, he will, Jesus will take back all of his property. He will take back uh, those, who, those who are his. Um, you know, I, I just think about Revelation 12, uh, where Satan was cast out, right. uh, cast out of, of heaven. That, that was... That's symbolic of the conquering of the enemy. I think it's Colossians that says he triumphs over the enemies and makes a fool of them. That's uh, that's Jesus's mission here. So, right. So now we have this interesting uh, part that I've changed my position on. Uh, well, we'll see if that makes sense. Uh, surely I said to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, whatever blessings they may utter. But he blessings against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. And here's the key, verse 30. Because because they said he is an unclean spirit. Now, now uh, you can give your thoughts on this in just a minute, but, but what I think is going on, people say, can this be committed today? Uh, can, can this be uh, committed today? Can I really never be forgiven of, of this sin? And I don't think this thing can even be committed to that. Because Jesus is not on the earth for you to attribute power to Jesus to Satan. Because notice this story again. He, he says this, uh, because they said he has an unclean spirit. That, that's how they committed the sin. That's how they blessed in the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus is not walking on the earth to do miracles anymore, well, somebody cannot attribute Jesus' miracle to Satan. And further evidence, uh, if we, first John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not what the text says. Mm. Today, under the new covenant, we can be forgiven of all sin. Yeah. And one more piece of evidence, and I'll let you give you thoughts on this. If this was an unforgivable sin today, do you think, why is it never mentioned again in the New Testament? The Bible writers never talked about it as such. Uh... Thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, if if you compare this to Matthew's account, uh, right before right before this, um, it says in Matthew twelve eighteen, uh, he quotes this prophecy. Uh, I was trying to see where it was from. I don't remember. Uh, he quotes this prophecy from Isaiah, um, and Matthew twelve eighteen. He says, "Behold, my." My servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he cannot break, and smoke flax uh, he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name Gentiles will trust uh, this is not the only place. Uh, Acts chapter 1 talks about how God put his spirit on him. And it was in that way in which Jesus was able to cast these demons out. And you think about right after this, they're, they're, here he is fighting Satan tooth and nail, trying to win back these people. Um, and now they're accusing him of working for Satan. Right. Uh, I think... Uh, look in verse 28, Matthew 12, 28. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God uh, has come upon you. It was by the Spirit that Jesus was casting these demons out. And now they're saying that this is not the Spirit, but they're saying that it is, it is actually Satan working. How hard does your heart have to be? I think that's the point is that they are so hard-hearted um, that if they remain in the state that they're in, if they continue to make these accusations, continue to think that it is not the Spirit, but it is Satan that he's, uh, he's casting these demons out by, then they will never be forgiven of this. Um, you know, they, there's, no coming, there, there's, there's no forgiveness of it as long as they're in that state. You know, like you said, we're told that we can be forgiven from sin. These people can be forgiven. But if, they're, if they continue to deny this and be so hard-hearted, they'll never find forgiveness from this. Because uh, to be forgiven, you have to accept that Jesus is who he says he is. And you have to understand that he's what, by which how he's doing this. So I think you're right. I don't think we... I mean, we can have hard hearts today. We can... We can say that Jesus is, isn't who he says he was, and he didn't do the things that he did. Maybe in that sense, there's a blaspheme of the Holy Spirit, but uh, not in the sense of which they did it. Right. Uh, there, there's no way we're going to, uh, there's no way we could do that. Um, right. So that's my answer to it. I, I think Matthew, 
Matthew 12 kind of shows that uh, the reason why he calls it blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, not blasphemy of the son or the father. That's, I think that's why, because it was through the spirit he was doing, he was able to do right. those things. Yeah. That's right. And so that takes us to verse 30. Uh, do you have anything else before we look at the rest of this chapter? Well, I was thinking, uh, I think maybe one of the reasons, like Jesus is pretty harsh in this criticism of them. I think maybe one of the reasons he is so harsh is because of, um, because of how effective it was, um, because of how much it would affect people in their perspective of Jesus and who he was. Right. Um, you know, you don't see it. Usually when they accuse him of something, Jesus is pretty patient. And he says something really masterfully back at them. And, and I, this is masterful. I know, don't get me wrong. But he's, I mean, to say they'll never be forgiven, that's, that's pretty harsh. Uh, and, and, I think, and I think the reason was because of how uh, hazardous their accusation was going to be um, to people at times. Right. All right. Just so a thought. What? Yeah, I agree. Uh, because if they continue accrediting uh, the work of the Spirit to Satan, what 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 does that do to Jesus? Uh, Jesus's influence yeah. and diminishes. And, yeah, at Greencastle, we're studying through John. And there's two or three times so far, and we're only in chapter eight, I think, uh, two or three times that this comes up where people are questioning whether he, he's from Satan or he's from God. Uh, and I think because of this accusation, I, I think uh, it had made a streak and uh, created problems uh, when clearly it's just them denying what is evident before them. And I think how he answers that Satan wouldn't do that to his own cause. It doesn't make sense. Uh, is yeah. is helpful. And so uh, now let's read thirty through thirty-five. Uh, because they said he's in has an unclean spirit. Then his brother, brothers and his mother came and standing outside they sent to him, calling him, and a multitude was sitting around him and they said, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, Who's my mother or my brothers? And looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my mother and my sister, is my brother and my sister and my mother. Alright, so what does Jesus do here? Uh, hey, CJ, real quick, if you go back up to verse 20. Um, it says the multitudes came together so that they could not eat so, so much as eat bread, but when his own people, and I think that's referring to his family, 
when they heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him for they said he's out of his mind. Um, so I, his family has this perspectives of, perspective of him that he's gone crazy. Like here he is, he's been this carpenter um, and, you know, he's lived a pretty, pretty lowly life and um, pretty humble. Um, but he's so popular that he doesn't have time to eat bread. He's just, he's just so busy teaching and he's so many people that need so many different things that they think he's, he's, he's gone nuts. And so this kind of a story in a story, they finally come and they're going to lay hands on him. That's, that's the plan. They're going to try to commit him and make him. Uh, eat, Come home, yeah. yeah, take care of himself and everything that he needs to. Um, so his mothers and brothers they come and they're they're outside. They're they're calling for him to come to them. That's kind of the backup, the back story right. here. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good catch. Yeah, uh, and the multitude was sitting around him. May, may, maybe. Uh, they were still reeling about the uncomfortable conversation he just had about the uh, Pharisees and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And this was an opportunity to break up that uh, silence and say, look, your mother and brother's outside. Why don't you go attend uh, that? But he says, Who is my mother? Or who are my brothers? And he looks around and says, My mother and my brothers are right here. Those who do the will of God. So that tells us a few things about Jesus' mission. Jesus' Jesus's focus was to do the will of God. And Jesus' focus was to help others who, who would want to uh, do the will of God to do the will of God. Uh, help others to do the same. And so he's not concerned with this physical family because they think he's out of his mind. But these, this family right here, who do the will of God, who are around him, who are listening to him teach, even though some may not completely uh, understand yet, but they're there. They're listening. Jesus says, you're my family. Uh, uh, you, you know, if you're doing God's will, uh, we're friends of Jesus, John fourteen fifteen and fifteen fourteen, and so, man, you you are Mister Popular today. Spam spam callers love me. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just, it's, this is an interesting passage, um, an interesting moment. It's not very family friendly. Uh, it's not something you'd probably want to read at a, at, a, at a wedding or something. 
Um, but you know, it, there's a couple of reasons I think he does this. Number one, it may be that his family does not yet believe in him, which uh, I think it says over in, is it in John where it says that yeah. they do not yet believe? Um, so they, they don't believe. So technically they're not a part of the mothers and brothers and sisters that he mentions here. Um, but second, so, so if you have yeah. like, Okay, yeah, you're fine. If you have a family that doesn't understand your commitment to the Lord, uh, Jesus had a family that didn't understand his mission. Uh, so that ought to be comforting to, to some people. Uh, but secondly, Jesus always takes opportunities to teach, and he's teaching about the priority. Uh, these are different priorities than what we usually have. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of churches that teach family values, and I think that's important, uh, especially in talking about the roles that we play. But then Jesus would teach something like, whoever hates his mother and uh, father and brothers and sisters and whoever hates them um, or whoever does not hate them is not worthy to be my disciple. Jesus teaches some very uh, non-family friendly teachings. And some of these Jews would actually lose their whole family um, because of their acceptance of Christ. Um, and so J Jesus is saying, unless you prioritize me and value me more than them, you know, you're not, you're not able to be my disciple. Uh, and here he's saying that, you know, your real mothers and brothers is this family. Now those who want to do the will of the father. Uh, and so we've got to have, we got to learn to have that type of priority. I mean, granted, the Bible teaches about being a husband and being a wife and being a, you know, what it means to be a child and honor your father and mother teaches all those things. And so it's important to play our role the way that God wants us to. But he also teaches us a priority of a spiritual family. Um, that's so that, right. that's something we've got to learn. That's kind yeah. of challenging. There's a lot about. Um, being in a spiritual family, uh, even in the New Testament, you know, yeah. we're, we're uh, Timothy uh, says, keep yourself in the household of God. Uh, keep, keep yourself, uh, yeah. watch yourself uh, as you enter the household of God who which is the uh pillar and buttress of the truth he says that in first Timothy two and also uh Paul talks about in Ephesians three I believe it is we're part of a family of whom uh, uh who encompasses the whole a nation and having an be neighbor yeah. we're part of that big family and so we need to prioritize that if our family is meeting on Sundays, Wednesdays, in between, have a gospel meeting. We, we need to have the same care for a spiritual family yeah. and the same connection. As they do our earthly family. And that's what Amen. 
Jesus teaches here. Yeah, I think there's a couple challenges. Challenges us to look at our physical family different. And it challenges us to look at our spiritual family uh, different. Because I don't, you know, maybe we don't give enough priority to our spiritual family as we should. That's right. Yep. And so that takes us to the end of chapter three. We have a couple more minutes. Do you think that's a good stopping point or should we get into the chapter four almost begins mm-hmm. something else? Yeah, I think I think that's a good stopping point. Um, like you said, Mark um, Mark emphasizes the things that he does and uh, even those responses. But here in chapter four we'll actually get <clears throat> some insight into his teachings right. and some of the things that he, he teaches. Uh, it's just going to be a day full of parables and we'll you look at those parables. So, yeah. That's right. Well, thank you all for being here. Uh, we started late, but we ended a little bit early. Kind of balanced itself out. Yeah. But thank you all for being here. And if you have questions during the week, you can contact us at God's Answers to your questions uh, on Facebook or on YouTube or Added Souls. Private message me uh, if you have questions for future shows. Thank you all and God bless. God bless.